Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories edition. In all of the installments of Pitbull Stories, I have special guests who share their stories of what it was like to um, acquire a Pitbull type dog, to live with a Pitbull type dog, and kind of share their experience of how they worked through some of those stigmas and how they advocate for the breed now. I've been the proud owner of two blocky headed dogs and our current blocky headed dog, Waylon, is an American Staffordshire Terrier, and I know what it feels like to experience some of the stigmas that the world wants to throw at you, and my intention with this series is to reassure all of you amazing blocky-headed owners that our beloved pit bulls are amazing, and we can play a huge role in advocating for the breed. So please enjoy these episodes, and if you'd like to be a guest on Pitbull Stories, please send me a DM over on the Instagram at a feeling underscore NCO. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories Edition. So you guys, I have a pretty spectacular guest. Um, If you don't already follow Mo the Screaming Staffy, let me just tell you that it's missing from your life. Uh, The first time I found your account, my husband shared it with me and I laughed hysterically for no joke, like an hour. I just went through and watched all of his videos. So obviously most people know Mo, but I want to get to know you a little bit more too. So if you want to introduce yourself. Uh, Thanks so much, Rachel. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Kristen Allen. I am, yes, dog mom, momager, uh, everything to to Mr. Mo, the, the CEO is what <laughs> I refer to him as. So we're we're really excited to be here. We're based in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where everything started. Um, and yeah, so we're just I, I'm I'm really happy to be able to share our story with you tonight. So cool. Okay, so I just want to hear. So obviously, right? Like everyone knows Mo these days, but did you have, um, did you have blocky headed dogs prior to Mo or was he your first? Mo was my first. And to be completely honest with you, I just, I I've always been an animal person. I've had dogs growing up, collies, German shepherds. We had dachshund, a shih tzu, um, kind of all, all array of dogs. I, I used to pet sit or Doberman, other mutts. Um, but honestly, it's not like I didn't really know what a pit bull was. I just never really gave it a whole lot of thought. Um, so Mo is the first pit bull type dog that has really ever been in my life at all. Um, and he kind of brought to light to, for, for me, what a, a pit bull type dog is and everything that comes with that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, okay. So let's backtrack. So tell us, okay. So what were the circumstances in which Mo came into your life? So actually this was about three, three years ago, uh, June of 2017. And I was actually coming home from a, uh, pet sitting job. It was a Saturday night. I had just kind of finished up for the evening. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And I pull up to my apartment complex and I see like a silhouette of a dog walking at the end of the cul-de-sac at the end of the street. And at first I was, I, I just, there was a park right across the way. So I thought, oh, maybe this dog is, is with someone, but it wasn't until I kind of got out of my car. I had parked, got out of my car, and I looked across the street, and I saw that there were no people around, and this dog was wandering on its own, and so I kind of just, I mean, I didn't know what kind of dog it was. I couldn't tell from that far away, but um, 
as an animal person, I was just like, oh, poor doggy wandering around by itself. I'm going to, you know, see what's going on. So I call out, I'm like, hey, buddy, what you doing? And he stopped and he looked and then he looked away and he kept on walking. And I was like, hey, where are you going? What are you doing? And he stopped again, looked at me again, kind of like did this like head tilt. And then he started like walking towards me very, very slow, not running, um, but also didn't seem like he was scared. His tail was wagging. And uh, I walked towards him and we kind of just came and, and met in the middle. And he set his kind of set his head on my knee and like looked up at me and his, he was panting. So he had the big smile, the big pit smile on his face. And he's just like, you know, tongue hanging out. I was like, wow, you're, you're really cute. So what's, what's going on here? And there was no one around. So I, um, I took him into my apartment that night, which was a small studio apartment. I hurried up to try to like cover everything in sheets. Uh, Cause he, he was pretty dirty. Um, he didn't, he, he was a bit underweight, um, but he didn't look like terribly, uh, terribly, terribly neglected, but he definitely looked like a backyard dog, you know? So um, he did have a collar and a, and a small leash hanging off of him, but no tags. And since no one was around, I, I just, I took him in and I gave him a place to stay, uh, which I thought was just going to be for the night. So, <laughs> so we, we, we hunkered in for the night. He literally made himself at home, uh, I mean, the, the pictures that I have of him are, are just ridiculous. He was like, walked in and was like, this place is nice. Like I could chill here. So. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So uh, he's, he put his chin on your knee. Like he did. He did. He was, he was super, come on. He, he was super gentle kind of like in that. And, and he could have been really tired. It was, you know, probably close to well, it was probably over a hundred degrees. I mean, it's Phoenix, June, normally it's that hot, um, midsummer. So, right. so yeah, he, uh, he must've been pretty tuckered out. It was really hot. Just needed to cool down, get some water. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So, so he made it through the night. So did you try and like find his owner? So yes. So the next day, um, and he, he slept in my bed that night, literally <laughs> like up against me, like would not get off my bed. Um, I woke up and this is actually on our, our Dodo story that, that came out, you know, uh, a couple of years ago that like for real, I woke up and his head was like lodged in my armpit and he was just like staring up at me like, Hey, remember me? <laughs> I'm still here. I, I remember I called my mom the next morning. I'm like, um, I slept with a stranger last night <laughs> and she was like about to freak out. I said, no, 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 mom. It's not, it's not like that. Um, he has, he has four legs and then she got really scared. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the next, the next morning, uh, we did get up. I, I, uh, the first stop was actually PetSmart cause I wanted to see if he had a chip and, um, yeah. took him in, they scanned him. He did not have a chip. So, we did um, head over to um, Arizona Animal Welfare League and they're not an intake facility. So, I, I mean, at this point I had no idea what I was doing. I had never found a dog before. I didn't know anything about dog rescue. I, I was just like, I found this dog on the side of the street last night and what do I do with it? Like, I don't wanna just like 
you know, keep it, or I, I mean, I don't even know if I have the means to keep it. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, and so I, I was kind of just like trying things, you know, and I Googled the next day and people were like, oh, find out if he has a chip and blah, blah, blah. So, I, you know, that's the route I started to go, tried to investigate. When I got to Arizona Animal Welfare League, that's when, you know, I heard the scream for the first time. Um, he, he saw a dog like through the glass on like the other side of a room and he was just like, and the, the whole like staff turned around and like jaws dropped, like, what, what was that? And I was like, I have no idea what that is. I just met this dog, <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know, this, uh, this is new for yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, like, no, no clue over here. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, um, they, they gave me some information. They're just like, yeah, you know, we, we can't really take him because we're not, we're not an intake facility. So he's going to need to go to um, animal control uh, to County. So we packed, packed him back up. He, you know, was really enjoying the ride. Just, I mean, at that point in time, I also didn't have like good dogs riding in cars, safely skills. And, you know, I'm just like, letting him like totally cruise like hanging over my shoulder totally totally unsafe but um we made it we made it there in one piece and um yeah we went up to the to the counter and i i got paperwork and i had to sit down and he's i'm like holding him while i'm filling out paperwork and there's people coming in and out of this like waiting room of the county shelter and um this and, and Mo actually sat really nice right between my legs like kind of just right between my knees and this lady came up and she's like oh is, are you adopting him like no I I just found him and I'm trying to find his his owners and she's like oh well it seems like you guys really made a bond already I'm like well lady like I I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is not my dog and I'm just trying to do right, you know? <laughs> so this other lady chimes in. She's like, oh, don't leave him here. Oh, he's, he's never going to make it out. It's a scary place, you know? And like freaking me out. And I'm like, and that's when like, you know, I, I did legit start to get really scared. And I, I, I thought maybe leaving him there would be the worst thing I could do, right? And so I had filled out like almost most of the paperwork and I decided, forget it. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take them with me. I'll like put up flyers everywhere. I'll figure it out. And as I kind of put the clipboard back up on the counter, a, another guy walked in the door with another pit bull type dog. And at that moment, that dog saw Mo and, and growled at him and started barking and Mo flipped his shit. And so they, you know, Mo actually like wriggled out of his collar and went after the dog. And some very, very brave gentleman in the waiting room like dives over and like bear hugs Mo and like pulls him away from this other dog. And I mean, it was a whole scene. It was, it was like terrifying. And I'm like shaking. And this, uh, this, the lady behind the counter is like, get that dog out of here to the other dog. And so the dog leaves, I'm shaking, we get Mo under control, we get him back with his uh, collar on and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, 
all right, let's go. And so I like lead him out as I'm like taking him back to my car, but I'm like terrified, you know, <laughs> and shaking from what just happened. And this, uh, three people, three, three of the staff actually come running out after me with like slip leads. And they're like, you need to, you need to leave him here. And I think, you know, in that moment, they thought that he was potentially aggressive, um, that he wasn't a safe dog. Um, I mean, I found out later that because of that altercation in the waiting room, they actually had put on his file like dog aggressive um, from just that one little like startle, you know? And so um, anyways, I, I said to them, I, I mean, I was bawling at this point. I was like, no, I don't want to leave him here. I think he should come home with me. And they're like, no, no, like, believe us. This is the best thing you can do for him. Leave him here with us. And, you know, I was like bawling waterworks. And I like kind of like held Mo's he head in my hands. I'm like, I'll be back for you, buddy. I'm going to make sure you're going to be okay. And they took him back in and um, I went back out to my car and I was literally a wreck, like driving, driving home. And the one thing that's really, um, what's strange or interesting, I guess, mostly about the story is that, um, the day that I left him there was actually my father's birthday and it was father's day that same year. And I lost my dad when I was 16. And so like, I've always kind of like, you know, when you lose anyone, but probably, especially a parent, you miss them for a long time. And so, you know, that was something that I have always, it's been something that I've always struggled with is the loss of my father and that happening on that day. And I was just, I was a train wreck. Like I called my mom who's in Pennsylvania and I'm like, mom, I swear, like, maybe this is, maybe dad sent me, Mo is like a, a present or, I mean, it, I sounded probably pretty nuts, you know? But it's uh, spiritual, right? Like there was something more to it than just like this random dog. Yeah. And the other thing that like, I guess adds to it is the fact that I, at that point in time, like that year, was really tough for me. Like it was just a bad time. It was probably like when I found Mo right before then and during then I was probably at like one of my all time lows and just like just str struggling emotionally, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was coming out of a personal relationship that lasted for many years and was like on that on the end. And, and I was in, in uh, Phoenix, basically alone. Like I don't have any, any family out here. So I have, I have a lot of really great friends, um, but, but no family circle. So I just was like feeling super overwhelmed, alone, sad, depressed, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> How hectic to be sitting in the waiting room at the shelter and like have all of this happen. You have no idea. Okay. So you let, so did you leave the shelter completely? What, when did you go back for him? Um, so I went back every day. <laughs> so I got, I literally, I got totally obsessed. And my mom um, actually said to me that week, she's like, I've never seen you this obsessed with anything, <laughs> you know, like ever. Um, but the next day I went back, like he, he was in a holding period, 72 hour holding period. Um, <clears throat> and what, what really frustrated me is like, I feel like every day I went back, so I took him in on a Sunday, 
Then like I went in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after work, like drove 30 minutes every day after work to just go sit at his kennel for like 15, 20 minutes and just check in on him. And by like, you know, the first day he was like really excited to see me when I got there, tail wagging by the third day, like he was on the decline, like he was sick. Um, he had like diarrhea and through his kennel. Um, he wouldn't even get up. He was just like, you know, totally like just out of it, you know, just uh, really traumatized. That, right? Like shelters are a necessity, right? Like we need that physical housing, but like mm -hmm. what it does to dogs emotionally and physically, like it happens fast, right? Like it doesn't really take very fast. long for them to deteriorate. Really fast. Like, and honestly, like it makes me feel really bad. Like now, cause we do a lot of like advocacy and stuff. It makes me feel so terrible when I hear of a dog that has been at a shelter for a hundred days, 300 days, like something absolutely insane. Cause I'm like, oh my God, like Mo was there for like five days total. And I was like that poor dog, you know, had to be subjected to this kind of life for five days. So it, it does really, you know, it puts things in perspective. Um, but yeah, shelter, shelter life definitely is, is, is very, very tough on, on dogs. And it's unfortunate that the, you know, majority of dogs in shelters are pit bull type dogs. Yeah. And I feel like, like knowing the, the breed and, and the mixes that get labeled as pit bulls and like how sensitive and like genuinely like emotional they are. I think it's particularly hard to see that because we know like it's hard on all dogs, but like, you know, these like really soulful blocky headed dogs and like how that must just be particularly hard for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, de definitely. They, they are. And that's where, I mean, you were asking me before if I had ever had a blocky headed dog before and no, I, I had no idea. And I I'm telling you though, like out of all the dogs I've had or I've pet sat for, he definitely is like a different type of dog. Like he does just, he has more of like this, like human personality about him than any other dog I've ever been around. And, you know, now he's turned into this diva and he thinks he can just, you know, <laughs> boss me around all the time, which he can. <laughs> Like baby, baby gets what baby wants, you know. <laughs> but but no, they they definitely are, and I I think you know they they do communicate their needs, and it's up to us as their owners to to try to understand um, what they're communicating. I mean, I'm not, I am not, and I will never pretend to be like an expert on dog behavior. I will not, but I think there is. What's that? But you're a Mo expert. <laughs> I'm a Mo expert. I know what Mo is thinking almost always, you know. Um, but no, I mean it is it's uh, it is up to us as as pet owners to really try to connect with our pets on that level and understand what they are trying to communicate to us. Right. Okay. So even after the whole display in the shelter, how, he lasted five days before you decided to make it official. So, well, and that was all just because of the admin, the right? Right. So like he had to stay in for 72 hours. Um, and in that like three day hold period, like something that maybe some listeners don't know is that they, they can't even get out of their kennel. So like 
for the three day hold period, they're not even being walked. They're not going out to pee. Like that's all happening in the kennel. So, so by like the, I think, um, I think it was Wednesday that they told me he would be available for adoption the next day because no one had come to claim him. And again, that was why I originally took him to the, to the shelter in the first place was that I wanted to give his potential owners an opportunity to find him if they were looking for him. Um, and so again, in terms of like the best way to do that, I, I don't, I mean, if you have the means to hold a dog and safely, uh, safe from, for you, safe for your family, safe for the dog and for other animals, then by all means, maybe go ahead and put up your flyers, post on, um, on the Facebook lost pets groups, that, that kind of thing. But for me, I mean, I was in a, a studio apartment and I still didn't even know if I could have a dog. So that for me was the best option. Um, they, you know, even though it played on me emotionally, it was the best option for him to stay there while I got things kind of figured out. And I kind of did scramble um, during those like three days and figure out if I could have him. And this is where, you know, the, the breed restriction stuff really like started to get real for me because I had no idea, like I said, I had no clue that like there was this like prejudice or stigma against the breed. I didn't know that restrictions really existed. I mean, I also just, again, growing up, I lived on a farm um, in Pennsylvania. And then I, and, you know, since I was 18, I've been living in apartments and I've never had a pet. So I've never really thought too much about being able to keep a pet legally, safely, responsibly, right? So when I had to like figure figure out what I was gonna do with this dog in the studio apartment, you know, I was like, okay, first I need a crate. Um, I need food and water, maybe some toys. And I was like, okay, I gotta go to the leasing office first before, before I get the crate and all this other stuff. So I had asked um, my, uh, my leasing office, you know, I didn't kind of like lean into it, but I was just like, hey, I want to adopt this dog. What do I need to know? What's the process? And there was kind of unfortunately a new girl working at the desk. And even though I asked her multiple times, she didn't give me all the information that I should have had. And so I went through with basically adopting Mo, like going in the next day, uh, making sure I could adopt him. He had to stay overnight one more night to get his um, neuter done. I don't know how to say it. he had to get neutered. Right. Um, so, so he had to stay overnight for that. And then I picked him up on a Friday. So I dropped him off Sunday. I had seen him every single day, Monday through Thursday. I was at the shelter again. <laughs> and then I was there again on Friday to pick him up and take him home. So again, obsessed. Um, my, my, my boss at that point was probably like, did you even work that week? You know, <laughs> like I paid you, but apparently like you were not here, like mentally, half the time physically. <laughs> so, okay, so you adopted him. And then, so what happened with the leasing agency after that? So I, I, I get Mo. And the, the one lease, the one lady at the leasing office, she was, uh, she, she became a good friend of mine. She was, she was very friendly. And she said to me, uh, <clears throat> or she, I think she called me and she's like, Kristen, I heard you, um, just brought a new dog home. Uh, could you just like complete the, the, 
the animal form or whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'm like, I don't really know what kind of dog he is though. Like I didn't tell her that at the, um, uh, shelter, they had classified him as like an American pit bull terrier. Um, but she's like, okay, well just send me a picture. And I was like, so I like sent her, I sent her like this, like above shot, like not getting like the full on like block head thing, you know, but I sent it to her and she's like, Oh, Kristen, that's a pit bull. And she's like, pit bulls aren't allowed here. And I was like, and that's, I got really mad because again, I tried to be responsible about asking like what I needed to know. And that's when they should have said, okay, here is the form on the top of the form. It says like different restricted animals, but anyways, again, didn't talk to the right person, even though I specifically asked if the property manager was going to be there over my lunch break to talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, but he was not. So anyways, I, I was very peeved because I tried to do my due diligence with the leasing office. And then when I was told, you know, your dog really isn't allowed here, I went off. I went off. I was like, I was like, well, you know what? If we can't live here, then you sure as hell better find a way to get me out of this lease because I, I'm not paying an extra dime like to, to leave. But I obviously like I went out and adopted this dog because I thought I could have him. And now you're telling me he's a restricted breed. So truth was the apartment complex actually had a ton of residents that had pit bull type dogs. And, you know, some of them like had been able to bring them in under the like ESA. Right. Um, emotional support animal or maybe some of them just didn't even tell them or just lied like I'm just my fiance will tell you I'm a really bad liar like I just don't know how to lie. <laughs> I, just, I just can't just like just lie Kristen <laughs> just say he's like a collie <laughs> right. but but that's where you know yeah it, it became like real for me within like the day that I got him and I, I was like what is this world you know and that's such a huge issue. Finding housing with blocky headed dogs, if you are a renter, is a very difficult process. It is. It is. Well, so Mo and I actually, we um, moved from Phoenix like a year, a year into having him. I, um, I got a new job and I moved to Flagstaff and that was a big problem. Again, it was like, I have to find um, I have to find an apartment where, where we're allowed to be. And, you know, luckily I was able to find a, a great place, um, for about a year and a half that we were there that was privately owned and, you know, really kind of like made, didn't have breed restrictions, but in the first place, didn't really want dogs there, but we made a good impression and he let, the landlord let us stay. Right. But, but that's what I think is so you know, unfair is that if, if landlords, apartment complexes, whatever could really just be able to give a fair assessment of a dog, um, based on its temperament rather than its breed. Um, it's, it's just, it's very, very unfair that they're labeled just like any other breed that's labeled aggressive. They're not the only dogs that are on breed restriction lists. Um, but, but it does seem that more often than not, they are more dis discriminated against than other uh, breeds. 
Well, and I feel like, you know, on the individual relationship dog basis, right? Because it's like, if you can prove like, you know, whether the dog is aggressive or not, if you're a responsible owner, then the likelihood of incidents is very low, right? And I think helping landlords across the nation understand, right? That like, yes, there are irresponsible people. Yes, there are wild dogs. But if we have responsible people who put management in place, dogs can be pretty freaking successful wherever they are. So... (laughs) And I guess that's what it comes down to is how do you manage the irresponsible people, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. We just try and like shine really bright so everyone sees how responsible we are. <laughs> right. Well, like I said, I will I will pretend to to do everything right. And uh, you know, I, I definitely am not I'm sure I'm sure there's been times when I could say that I wasn't the most responsible pet owner. Um, but you do live and you learn. And I think that if you can, you know, be uh, mindful of the, the instances, the things that happen, you know, there's, there may be accidents. Um, you just learn from them and you don't do them again. You know, like I had, Mo has always been really, really good when we go to dog parks, but he doesn't enjoy uh, when other dogs get vocal in their playing and he kind of plays this like mediator or you know this like middleman he tries to like jump in and break up the fight and you know don't, some dogs don't want him to do that you know they want to they want to play rough and and so that's when it can get out of hand very quickly with another owner that has a different type of dog and even if it's not maybe mo that is being defensive back it will be his fault if there is any kind of major altercation or there's a fight because of his breed. It will always be placed on the pit bull. I, yeah. I just, I, I mean, I, I've seen it. Um, maybe, maybe some people would say like, oh, well, that's not true. It's not always the pit bull's fault. Not everybody's like that. Not everybody is, but more oftentimes than not, the blame is placed on the pit bull type dog. It's so freaking hard and it's so unfair. And like, I have been in very similar situations like that. I was at a dog park where a dog actually attacked Waylon and no one helped me. I had to get this dog off and there were 15 people and everyone just stood there and watched me. Yeah. Right. And like, I really, I, I wish that it didn't have to be about breed. I wish it didn't, but I really think that if this poodle would have gone out after my golden retriever, I think it could have been a really different situation. Okay. Right. But people just see his muscly little package and just assume, meanwhile, poor dude got his little ass kicked by this poodle and he was so scared. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Oh my God. Oh, the poodle got the best of him. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, as you started to get to know Mo and kind of like ease into your life being a blocky headed owner, um, how did your family respond to this? What did your mom say? She's like, what do you mean you had a pit bull? <laughs> well, again, like, I feel like with my family, it was probably more like, like me and that we just didn't, we just didn't think about it. Like, it wasn't like, no one was worried about the dog. Like it was, yeah, I mean, my mom was worried just based on how big he was. Um, and he's actually, he is a small, smaller dog, but he is very stocky and he is so strong. He's about 70, 70 pounds and he's pure freaking muscle, like literally. And that was, you know, for me, 
Oh man, I, I'm telling you, there were so many times um, in that first year that I, I thought I, I had to throw in the towel with him because he was just so powerful for me, like just, you know, pulling me down on walks. And this is where I say you live and you learn and you just have to stay like persistent and learn from those mistakes and, you know, try whatever works for you until you find or try everything until you find something that works for you. I mean, we, we committed a lot of mistakes. I had him, you know, at first on one of those Kong retractable leashes, almost like literally tore my arm out of its socket um, as a skateboarder comes flying by bad, bad, bad. Um, I have fallen literally, I don't know how many times I, the, like the first year I had him, I had bruises and scratches. He was just a ball of energy, always wanted to play. I would take him on like six walks a day. And this is the thing when you are living in an apartment and you have a young dog and, uh, I, I can't, I mean, I'm, I think this is probably very similar for many types of dogs, many breeds of dogs that when they're young, they're just very energetic but pit bulls, they just, they demand exercise. Mo demands exercise. He finally has a backyard and he still demands that I like walk him around the block twice a day. Like oh. it, it has to happen, you know? And, and it's a good habit for him. It's a good habit for me. It keeps us like on our routine. They, they love routine. They love to work. And I think, you know, as long as you can figure out how to do how to do that, how to help, how to help them like spend their energy, then that's where you're going to keep your dog out of trouble. You know, uh, dogs that can't get their energy out are going to act out elsewhere. Yeah. And like they're athletes through and through. And I, I say all the time is like, they are not for the faint of heart. Right. And like, if you're not willing physically give them the exercise they need is going to be really tough because yeah. you're so right. And you know, every dog's an individual, but by and large, right. American Pitbull Terriers, American Staffordshire Terriers, they need a lot of exercise. And Thank if they're you. not getting it, it's going to be brutal for you. Right. <laughs> like that's true. And, and even if they are getting it, it's still going to be brutal. <laughs> so literally, like, I, I, I don't mean to scare people, but you know, just, just be prepared. Like I said, I've suffered a lot of, a lot of injuries. Um, and I mean, luckily I haven't had any broken bones or anything, but you know, I, I, I'm a small, I'm a small girl for this, this kind of dog. And that's why I said, like, I, there were so many times where I just thought I had to give up because of like, this dog is too much for me, but I, I stuck with it. We went to training every, every Saturday for eight weeks. Um, with like group group training with other reactive pit bull type dogs and I'm telling you like the first the first session we went to he screamed bloody murder literally screamed in his scream for the entire first 45 minutes of the 60 minute class and I literally was like on so on edge I was like we both him and I we got back that day we literally collapsed for the rest of the day, because we had, we were so burnt out from that like 60 minute class, but we kept going back. He got better every week. He got less reactive. I mean, he used to, he used to see a dog across the street and he would like scream and lunge trying to see it. It was excitement. 
it wasn't that he wanted to go tear it up or anything like that. He just hadn't been socialized like that. So he didn't know how he was supposed to act around other dogs. Now we walk down the street, he doesn't even care. Like dog across the street will be like barking at him like, hey dude. And he's just like, sniffing the flowers, looking for cats. Because <laughs> like the cat thing is never gonna go away. And that for probably a lot of listeners understand that that is also very associated with the breed is the high prey drive. And I mean, that is a real thing too, is like, if you do, some, some pit bull type dogs get along really, really well with, with cats or small dogs. He is fine with small dogs, but cats, he just wants to chase them. He wants to chase them all up trees, through bushes, over walls, like. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think what's so hard about the, the blocky headed, like athletic package is that it is really challenging. And like, you know, you're a shining example of like, we're gonna do this, I'm gonna show up for you, I'm gonna get you what you need. But I think that it's important for us all to remind ourselves that like, yes, it's a beautiful thing to rescue a pit bull type dog, but also it's not rainbows and ponies, right? Like, it's not just like the highlights of your life that everyone gets to see on Instagram. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there are also those other moments that like are not so shining and are really challenging emotionally and physically for you, right? And, you know, I think that we just have to be really real about that aspect of owning blocky headed dogs. I was yeah. sure I'm in the best shape I've ever been in because I'm trying to keep up with this damn dog. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like, yeah. we go and we go and we go and like, he's immensely better, but it's, it's an ever evolving thing. You don't just like, oh yeah, I adopted a pit bull. We're good. Like, no, actually you adopted a project that you're going to be working on forever. So uh, forever, forever. And yeah, people can say they're big couch potatoes and they, they are to an extent. I mean, Mo sleeps, you know, the entire six hours or seven hours that I'm working you know, on my computer for work every day. He's, he's asleep the whole day. Then 4.30 comes, he's like, bing! Let's go. <laughs> it's like, let's go. Let's go, bitch. <laughs> okay, so I want to hear about um, when you started the, the social media and like how that really just kind of, boom, exploded. Yeah, like when I, when I first started like his account, it really, it really was just that, again, I don't, I don't really have any family here in the Valley. And so it was more about like my, my friends and family that I don't have you know, touch with um, a lot. Um, I guess I started it for that. Um, and then, you know, the, the group that we did training with when I first got Mo was One Love Pitbull Foundation. And they, they just, you know, kind of did, did so much for us in those first like eight weeks and even just kind of providing support, like they became a community. And I think that's another thing to remember for new pit bull type dog, new pit bull type dog owners <laughs> is to find a community because it really is important, like having that, that support, that people support that you can do this, you know, um, <laughs> it's, it's huge. And in terms of like the social media, I, I, um, I had made this Facebook fundraiser for one love. Uh, so, um, I, I, so the, the first year, um, I think it was like January, 2018, 
and I decided to do a fundraiser for One Love on Facebook, you know, just kind of like, hey, this uh, organization's really helped me a lot. Um, I want to raise some money for it for my birthday. And so I made this video just kind of like recounting, um, you know, our, our adoption experience and those first weeks of training and um, someone said to me like, oh, you should totally submit this video to the Dodo. Like it's, it's, uh, it's really touching. And so, and so I did, I didn't really think a whole lot of it. Um, but I submitted that video and they, the, the Dodo did reach out and they were like, Hey, we'd like to do an interview with you and, and share your story. And so, I mean, it was a process. Um, and then it was not until July 2018, I think, July, August 2018, that the, their, their uh, video of us came out. And yeah, it just, you know, the Dodo has such a huge following and their stories are, are awesome. I was so happy with how they, uh, they told the story that time around. And yeah, it, it literally, that's kind of how it exploded um, in terms of like, wh where did it all come from? Because we went from like, I don't know, 700 followers on uh, like of friends and, you know, just some randos to however many randos, you know, <laughs> now we, now we have like over a hundred thousand some randos. <laughs> we love our randos. <laughs> But and that's what's that's what's become so cool is that it, it it has become this community, and what what is also really neat is that you know these other accounts for I mean there was a ton of dog accounts dog influencers, but it's really refreshing to see also on social media the type of community that has risen up around the uh, pit bull type dogs. It's, um, it's a lot of fun and it's just, it's fun to share stories. I love seeing other people's dogs and um, it really, it really makes me feel just so great when, you know, someone says that following Mo has changed their mind about uh, pit bull type dogs. Like I used to think that they were scary and aggressive and just mean, plain mean dogs. But um, seeing these posts has really, you know, made me, made me reconsider. And even if they're not planning on like going out and adopting a pit bull type dog, because I would never say, <laughs> would never say go get one if you really don't think that you can handle it. <laughs> um, I, I, <laughs> I, I agree with like adopt, don't shop 100% all day long. But I definitely like, I think people do need to seriously assess like what they're prepared for before they adopt because it, with any dog, it is a commitment, but it's a very special commitment with adopting a pit bull. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, so I, I want to talk about how you've used your platform to educate and to raise money and bring awareness to, to so much. So obviously the dodo thing, right? Like brought you a lot of traffic. And did you feel like inspired with that? Like, okay, I've got all these randos following me. What can we do with this? How can we use uh, randos? <laughs> I feel bad. I don't mean to call them randos. Sorry. Everybody. <laughs> What's that? You mean it lovingly. <laughs> I, do, I do. I do. I joke around a lot. Um, yeah, I think 
honestly, like, I guess when I saw kind of how much our, our video took off and, and the story just seemed to touch so many people. I mean, I think on the Pity Nation on Facebook, it had gotten in like less than a week, like 43 million views. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, what? Didn't and so I, I think like, and, and I'm sure other um, like influencer accounts would say the same thing is that when that happens, you do kind of feel a sense of responsibility that, you know, you're, you already put your story out there and you, I think that it, not just responsibility, I, I was inspired that, you know, I, I felt like we could, um, we could help other, other new owners by sharing our story. And I, I, I feel like I haven't done that great of a job in maybe the past sharing so much um, the, the difficult times. And I, 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 I it, it's hard, right? <laughs> like it, trying to like figure out what you are, want to do on social media and, you know, what you really want to drive. It's, um, it's sometimes hard to figure out how you want to portray your message. And especially because everything gets so misconstrued nowadays and you not only feel a responsibility to carry a message, but a responsibility to try to say it right. And mm -hmm. saying it right can mean something different to someone else. Um, so it, it does get hard and um, I, the, the other thing about it is that it's not my full-time job and I do actually have a full-time job. <laughs> so finally outside of social media, <laughs> like, I do have to feed my dog. So I have to work, uh, you know, nine to five Monday through Friday. It's usually my, my times that I'm not, you know, my, my job would probably be like, I swear you made that post like during work hours, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, it was scheduled. <laughs> don't fire me. I gotta feed my dog. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to find the balance, um, with like your, your daily life, your personal life. And, um, it does, yeah, it comes with a lot of responsibility. And to be honest, there's been a lot of times where I've been like, you know, this is just too much and I can't really handle it anymore. Maybe I should think about unplugging. And then I get back to the, but no, <laughs> but no, we still have so much to do, <laughs> right? Um, but I mean, the fundraising is really important to me because at the end of the day, you can't do anything without money. That's just, that's right. just the way the world is. Yep. And it, the other thing that makes social media difficult is, you know, um, I have had people like, you know, call me out in terms of, whatever partnerships we've done or sponsorships of products, et cetera. And it, it's, that's hard to manage too, because it's like, okay, well, like, how do I, how do I do good? How do I raise money for a cause? Because Lord knows out of my paycheck, I really don't have enough extra money to actually make a difference with shelter dogs. Right. So, I mean, it all, it all comes down to balance and trying to figure out how to, how to manage it, how to message it. Um, but I don't know, at the end of the day, I, 
I want us to just, you know, continue to spread positive messages about pit bull type dogs, spread some smiles. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I hope that's what can be taken away from it. Absolutely. And seriously, like just an outsider's perspective, right? Like I look forward to your post because it's one of those things where it's like, it's just that like carefree, wholesome content that I really needed to break up some of the seriousness that is our world. Twenty twenty's been a year, so yeah. it's like it's been a year. So yeah, if we can, if we can help, you know, give someone a smile to start the day, then you're right. I think that we're, you know. We're on the right track. We're on the right track. Exactly. Okay. So Kristen, I want to, I want to hear from you. What is one pit bull myth you wish would just die already? I mean, I think just generally that they're just mean or aggressive, like by nature. Um, Yeah. It's just, I've, I haven't done a ton of research, uh, not as much as I'd like to, but I, I think you actually mentioned it in one of your things, but yeah, I have it right here. Yes. Ron Dickey's book. And I um, haven't gotten through the whole, whole book yet, but this is amazing. And um, I think, yeah, part of, part of the issue has been just the focus on negative media. And if, and I think that's what social media is doing right is that we're able to kind of normalize the, the pit bull type dog again. Um, back to, you know, it being the American hero back in like the forties, like, let's bring it back, bring it back, (laughs) right? Um, bring back our American hero. So I, um, I think that would be it is just, they're, they're not mean dogs. They're actually amazing, loving, loyal dogs. They are stubborn as all hell. That is for sure. But we have a 70 pound muscly package. There's a lot more uh, leeway for the behavior. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's like, I will decide what I do and what I do not do, mother. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. This has been seriously such a delight. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with me. Um, I know that the listeners are going to be so freaking excited to hear. Um, so many people told me they were so excited because everyone loves Mo. So oh, there's. Okay. I, I- if people don't already follow you, can you tell them where the best place to connect with you guys would be? Sure. Uh, you can connect with us on Instagram, Mo the Screaming Staffy, all one word. Um, you can also find us on our website at thescreamingstaffy.com. Fabulous. And I'll be sure to link that up in the show notes so that people can find you. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time so much, Rachel. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about how you can connect with me for training, you can go to my website, agfdogtraining.com. If you'd like more training inspiration and insight, you can follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you'd like to become a member and support the podcast, please check us out on Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash disorderly dogs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you really like this podcast and you want to go above and beyond for me, you could leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts to help more like-minded individuals find us.